from the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you fun seekers. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone. Uh, it's a nice day here in the Texas Hill Country. It looks like we could get a little rain. Boy, we've been eking a few little droplets out. If you know any rain angels, tell them to send them my way. This is OneRadioNetwork.com, and it's, uh, it's nice to be here. In a moment, you're going to meet Matt Long, and Matt's a very interesting guy. He's a, a cosmology truther, if you will, and he's also written a book about um, the shape and the way the earth was formed, um, and it's called The House That Jesus Built. Not a great name, The House That Jesus Built. He knows a lot about the Bible, and then we're going to dig into that and how it all relates to cosmology and the truth of things with Matt Long. And if you care to join us, you can do it. 888-663-6386. As I'm talking here, let me check my uh, 800 just to make sure it's working. Out here in the country, things change overnight, and all of a sudden, sometimes... Okay, dude. Sometimes you have to, oh, there it goes. It's working. So, 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. All of the questions you put on my faceplant um, um, page about me being a flat earther and calling me crazy, well, you can just call Matt and, you know, he doesn't mind. Yeah, you know, you'll be nice. Well, Matt Long is, uh, as I said, he's the author of the book, The House That Jesus Built. He was raised in Fort Worth, Texas, while at the University of Oklahoma, and he earned a degree in construction science. I mean, never heard of that one. And he, that's how he makes his living today. And he's an avid student of the Bible, particularly Genesis 1 through 11. Hmm. And he is an apologist focused on the physical manuscript evidence showing that the Bible is the most reliable and accurate collection of books in the history of the world. Wow. He resides in Weatherford, Texas, uh, with Jessica, raised her six, six, six children. Oh, I, I, you're probably Catholic, uh, just like me, uh, used to be. And <laughs> six children, Matt Long, well, good for you. Holy cow. What? Yeah, I think of all the list of accomplishments there, maybe the six children is the, <laughs> is that's, the taker. That's hilarious. Did you all know that you were going to have uh, want to have six little ones when you when you got together? Well, you know, so we're we're a blended family, uh-huh. and she brought three from her first marriage. I brought one from mine. We've had two together, and she's actually pregnant right now. Oh, so congratulations! We're about to have our third together, seventh overall. And no, I was not <laughs> in any way planning on being a big family guy. But she has, uh, she being Jessica, my wife, has opened my eyes to the the blessings of having so many children around, yeah. and the just the the biblical mindset behind it and we've really enjoyed it and honestly when they start to get one or two and get that personality of their own it's really hard to imagine life without any without of them, them. so yeah. i grew up uh, in st louis in the 50s man and uh, we had seven seven kids you know and uh, catholic family, yeah you know and uh, yeah wow and they, they did the birth control thing back then with a thing called rhythm. Do you remember that? <laughs> rhythm, yeah, the rhythm yeah. method, yeah. And yes. my mom would keep track of when she was fertile and myrtle, and they had mm-hmm. them when they want, wanted to, every three years. Yeah, yeah. It's well, great. You, you do that kind of thing, and that puts a whole other 
light on the idea of this abortion thing, right? I mean, imagine if you put all of this energy and money and, and focus on learning how to control the birth when you want them, and you could do that yeah. even without drugs, and this whole abortion thing would not even exist. Right, yeah, it's it's actually astonishing. We've decided that you can't convert everybody, so you yeah. might as well birth some new ones, <laughs> is, is our mindset behind it. Right. Well, congratulations on, on the new one. Do you, yeah, um, thank you. What about you in past lives reincarnation? Do you think a soul knows you guys before they come in and all of that or do you do you go there uh, i'm not sure i i don't believe in reincarnation i definitely believe in resurrection you know i think we'll all see that day ourselves but as far as you know us kind of being together prior to to this place i don't i don't think the bible speaks of that which is what i what i base you know my beliefs on and uh i i think we're created you know, I, I don't think we are in a state of eternal until after we're created and, and we choose to accept the, the free gift of salvation. Oh, so so you believe that then souls, like when they come in or take the first breath, I believe the Bible says, is when they're, they're created by God. That's your belief. Hmm. Whoops. Yes, but my, my unprofessional belief, yes. That's right. No, it's, we all have them, brother. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Just like belly buttons, we've all got these beliefs, right? Walk That's up, right. Some have knees and some have outies. And I think, <laughs> I think it's becoming a more beautiful thing that we can be friends and communicate and have respect for others when our beliefs are different. I mean, isn't that well, really that, what God's about or Jesus or whatever? Sure, sure. That is definitely something that being in the, uh, you know, what the topic we'll get into today it's something that has definitely opened my eyes of how many different beliefs there are out there. And especially when you get into the truther community, because you have groups of people that have, they think they've been lied to, which I think they have been. <laughs> I put myself in that category. Right. And it's really tough to determine where the lie stops and where the truth starts. And so you have a lot of people that choose, choose to stop at certain places and choose to keep going. So it really, it creates this, um, fruit salad of all all kinds of beliefs, and I have friends in the movement who you know are all over the map, and and maybe we don't share on the the foundation that I share on, but we definitely share on a lot of things. Sure, which is what important. It's important. You want to hang out with somebody else, right? It's a choice. Yes, it's cool. Mike, can can we get you to turn your mic down a little bit, just down here? Sure. Can you do that? Just a smidge. Oh well, it's kind of, kind of tapping out, tipping out at the end. Yep. Just mm -hmm. a little bit. Just a little bit. Matt Long is with us again. If you care to join us, triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. So, um, you meet somebody uh, at a picnic or something with the kids, and and um, they start asking you what you're interested in, what your passion is, and and uh, what do you what do you tell them? What do you tell them? It depends what kind of picnic it is, I guess. <laughs> you know, friendly folks. I would friendly say, folks, yeah. yeah, I would say it always starts. You can always, at least where we're from in Texas, you can find common ground with someone who is not appreciative of what the government's done over the last couple of years, and that's that's usually a good place to start. Um, if if I want to get into some of the the stuff, like say that my book's about, maybe I'll 
I'll start with something like I, I don't believe in outer space. And that's when <laughs> things start to get a little bit interesting. If you start talking about fake pictures of the earth and NASA, you know, lying to us, that's, that's where stuff starts to get really interesting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'll, that'll bring out the best in everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you, did you grow up with this whole really interest in the Bible? Matt, as, as, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't have it until my late twenties. Wow! I was listening to a. I randomly turned on the radio one day and heard a pastor by the name of Chuck Smith doing a program about. I think it was called Pastor's Perspective, where people would call in and ask questions about the Bible, and he would give biblical answers to these questions. And one of the coolest things he would say is, "I don't know." Sometimes because I thought pastors had an answer for everything, but he also answered questions about the Bible using the Bible. And his, I thought I knew about the Bible, but turns out all I was doing was listening to other people's opinions of the Bible because I hadn't actually read it for myself. So some of these answers that he gave astonished me. They surprised me. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've never read the thing. I need to go read it for myself. And I talk about in in my book about how the history of this place sure seems a lot more like Lord of the Rings than Planet of the Apes. And so I had to (laughs) realign my perspective because I was reading science books and physics books and things like that, that they, they tell you how this place got here without the help of an all loving, all powerful creator. They say that it's proven. They say that these aren't theories, they're laws, they're facts. And so that was my mindset in my 20s, you know, through college until I actually started reading the Bible and looking up alternative explanations for things like how this place got here, Hmm. as far as the age of the earth, um, uh, the geology of this place, the the geological column, evolution, macro evolution, things like that. And I, I found that, you know, if you look, you can actually find better explanations for things that, um, of how this place was created and the processes and things like that, as opposed to what the science books tell you. And I, I took in all the information. And when I did, I evaluated, evaluated it myself. And not only did I find that there were better explanations than what you'd be taught in a typical science class, but also that there was a repeated theme that all of these things were attacking the Bible, like everything mm-hmm. that that science was presenting was basically the exact opposite. The exact opposite of the Bible, really. (laughs) And to me, the motive is a big deal, right? If I can see a motive behind something, then, then I definitely can appreciate the fact that there may be a, uh, some kind of evil agenda there. Interesting. So does that go back to the idea that I've seen on a lot of the, Cosmology Truths podcast, and we played a lot of them here over the last year since I had my aha movement of an immovable earth, that the idea that, what, four or five hundred years ago, as best I understand, some group like the Freemasons got together and did a deal with Copernicus and created 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 yeah, gravity you know, and the heliocentric model. I'm not do you, sure. Do you, think that's, do you think that's true? I have not 
I have not put the time into that like some other people have, like okay. Dave Weiss. And I know there's a lot of people that think that a flat stationary earth was being taught in schools all the way up until the 1930s and that the the stories of Copernicus and Eratosthenes and people like that were actually created later and and maybe that these people weren't even referred to in history prior to that so i think it's possible going back to your original question that all this stuff was propagated 500 years ago or it was created within the last hundred years to make it look like it was propagated 500 years ago. So I could see it going either way. Um, But again, I, I have not done the the rundown that rabbit hole, like someone like Dave Weiss may have done, who's my co-host on the the flat earth podcast. And I, who I think you've had on a couple of times. Yeah, He's great. Yeah. We, we enjoy Dave, the flat earth podcast. How often do you all do that? So the joke is it's the biannual the Flat Earth Podcast because we we tend to do about two a year. We used to do one to two a month and had a we love our fans, they're awesome, but Dave and I are just super busy. And so it's just a giant joke on the show now that, you know, we don't want to do more than two a year because we'd be, you know, exceeding expectations of people. And so yeah, I think it's one of the only podcasts where almost no episodes get shot except people love it and and they they actually like the joke that almost no no new episodes come out i have this kind of theory you know i just had my how a moment as i said about a year ago i was watching all these uh uh the lost history videos what are they we and we ran them here uh matt with uh, who did those erewhon is that how you say it? Uh, i'm not sure something like that and you know about halfway through it i was in my living room watching it and I just go oh my god <laughs> we are not moving you know yeah and, and I really got it you know it was a spiritual thing it was like it was like and I, I I've never believed much in time you know in the last 20 30 40 years because I do this whole longevity thing and I think that's why people age is because they believe in time well, mm-hmm. that's just my theory so uh, yeah. one of the reasons why we age so but I really got it and, and I was up for about three days after that I mean I just didn't go to sleep just contemplating the fact that I wasn't moving I wasn't yeah that's that's amazing you know I think that's part of the the deception or the gaslighting is we all experience a flat non-rotating earth we experience it every day we experience the fact that we're not moving and we experience the fact that the land is generally flat and the higher up you go the flatter it looks because you get away from the terrain the mountains the hills and things like that what we're it's amazing that we've now taken a society that is convinced that they're spinning a thousand miles an hour at the equator, even though they've never felt the spin. They're convinced they live on a ball, even though they've never seen the curve. And I think that's part of the deception is that someone in Australia could, with a straight face, tell me that they're actually upside down right now compared to me and that they're spinning a thousand miles an hour, even though they don't feel it. And so one of the things that I talk about in this book is I believe God created us, created our senses so that we can trust them. And so just another attack, like we talked about before, is that science or the the culture of the day 
is is putting us in a position where we can't even trust our God-given senses. And that's one of the things that I think is so evil about this deception. So that's the argument where folks, uh, cosmology folks believe that NASA is kind of a, quote, quote, evil place because they're wanting us to believe that we're flying uh, aimlessly <laughs> with, without, you know, without any direction and we're just our hair on fire around the sun, that idea. Yeah, and I think that it's not necessarily um, that everyone that works at NASA is in on the deception and that's their, that's their goal. I, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the majority of people up words of 99.9% of people at NASA are honorably serving in whatever position they're in. I think that NASA wasn't, uh, NASA didn't discover that this, this idea of, of the place that we live was incorrect. NASA was created in order to propagate uh, an, an improper view of, of where we live. And so it was created purposely compartmentalized so that it can employ thousands of people who seemingly would have to be on in on the deception in order to have this, which is not the case. I one of the things that I tell people is that it's it's actually very hard to determine what you live on while you're living on it. Um, it is amazing that uh, someone who would consider themselves a flat earther would be required to prove to someone that they live on a flat, non-rotating earth when the person they're trying to prove it to is experiencing a flat, non-rotating earth. So how can you live on a flat earth and not know it? Well, the answer is because you can live on a spinning ball and not know it, right? The, that's what everyone believed up until, it's what all ancient cultures believe until someone told them, no, you're actually living on a spinning ball flying through space, even though you've never experienced that. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, um, so, you know, I guess the science types and they do this whole Big Bang and the, and the um, the age of the earth and your book is titled the house that Jesus built but theoretically and you tell me that Jesus was just around what 2,000 years ago so does that are you arguing that that's when the earth began or just just no, a, a, a allegory uh, for the title Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say it's not allegory but I also don't think the earth began 2,000 years ago. If you read John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, it talks about how Jesus was there at creation. So Jesus, prior to being born around 0 AD, prior to that, what did exist in the eternal realm and was there at creation per, per those scriptures. Also, Genesis 1, when it talks about creating man, it, he sa it says it created man in our image. So it's a plural creator at the beginning. So the reason I call it the house that Jesus built is because uh, one, I, I honestly think he built it according to those scriptures. And as far as the age of the earth, I definitely think that this, this earth was, or this world that we live in, because it's, it's not, it's not a planet like someone may picture Earth being a planet in the solar system. I think, I don't believe in a solar system. I believe in an Earth system. I believe Earth is all there is. It's the only place that man can inhabit. Everything else is just lights in the sky. I believe, I believe this was created roughly 6,000 years ago. I think there's 
I think there are openings for interpretation that there could be there it could be older but i think if you trace the lineages back to adam to when adam came on the scene i think we're roughly six thousand years right um but you know there's many people including myself that believes that i am a spiritual being matt right soul that i come into the body and when my body dies i i go somewhere else and but my experience is that I have always have been and always will be as I'm a spark of God and God has always been around. If that's true, I'd have to be somewhere else before and after this physical reality, right? I would say based on human understanding, yeah, that, that sounds extremely logical. I do have, I've got a buddy who has a son who I interviewed who went to hit a vision of going to heaven. Hmm. And I asked a stupid question, like, how long do you think you were up there? And he said, his response was, this was a 10 year old. His response was, well, I was there forever. Like there's no time. Yeah, right. and it was it was an amazing response from a ten year old who experienced that, you know, in in a human in a human body. So, I think I understand what you're saying. I I don't um, I don't have a great answer for it. That's all right. That's okay. So if you really look closely at in the Bible as you have, and you've done more. And you say Genesis one eleven, which is really about the shape of the earth and all that. Well, that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure you've read the other parts. Do, does does doesn't the Bible allude to the idea that we are eternal beings and godlike and all of that? And on some level, well, yeah. So Genesis one through eleven are my favorite chapters. That's <laughs> that's the creation account through the Tower of Babel. It's like two thousand oh. years crammed into like eleven pages, oh. and and it's all like the classic stories that you remember hearing about as a child. That as you grow up and become an adult, you're prone to think like maybe those are just fairy tales. But my my journey through that as I've gotten older is, and and actually looking at the data is that those are not fairy tales at all. They're actually um, pretty great accounts of what actually happened and actually a better explanation again than what your science textbooks will tell you. But as far as us being eternal beings, I think I, like I said before, I I think we have a starting place. And if we choose, um, we can choose to not have an ending place. And so, uh, and that's by accepting the free gift of salvation that, that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross. And, and it talks about us becoming sons of God and, and things like that. Um, but I do, not, I do not believe that we had a, an eternal beginning. I think, um, I think man was created on day five, and that's Adam, Adam and Eve. I think they were created on day five. And prior to that, there was no, there was no human existence. And now that's, that's from an earthly time oriented sense. So, um, with the idea that know, earth is physical reality, that physical yes. reality is earth. There is no other physical Correct. reality, right? Correct. And, and something that I've, you know, as going through this kind of change of mindset, going from an ever expanding, potentially infinite universe to a small stationary world system where God sits above and, and is just right outside of this thing. I'm not sure there's that much separation between the physical and the spiritual. I think before a lot of these biblical verses that in order to be accurate, 
had to be like a, a tearing of the veil mm-hmm. or an opening of the other dimension i think possibly it just might all exist together and I, maybe because we're we're inside this clock you know if, as you've had dave weiss on he's got that app the earth is a clock right it's it's a calendar and and being in it maybe that's where either we experience time or we choose to experience time as yes, maybe sir. you alluded to before yes, um and then outside of that it, it doesn't exist in, in the waters above so it's it's i don't know that i could speak perfectly biblically on it. i think it's fascinating to speculate on it definitely is and for what it's worth i've done a lot of spiritual work in the last 25 years with my path and uh, able to leave my body as a spiritual being and go in other realities and mm-hmm. i think you're right on oh. i think i would work on that idea that it's just i don't know it's hard to explain i'm writing a screenplay about it and it's hard to explain but matt i think it's i think it's just a hologram and everything's happening now all together and uh when we change our state of consciousness as the old bumper stickers used to say wherever you go there you are and Mm -hmm. you do so (laughs) and when if you believe you're going to go to a place called heaven trust me you're going to go there and your body will hang out there and you as soul you just go there that's how easy. I've had a, I was very blessed with a, an out-of-body experience in 83 with the tunnel and the light and everything. And, and just trust me when I tell you, when you die, there's no problems, baby. Because it's, yeah. it's the most incredible experience I've ever had uh, with that light, you know. And uh, um, I just knew I had to come back. I had a, there was some kind of spiritual being with me. I don't know who. Now I know mm-hmm. who because my teacher... Yeah. But, you know, I, um, I said, well, what will happen to my dog and my girlfriend and my mom and my dad if I don't go back? And you know what they said was, they will not exist. They sure. will not exist. So I took that to be, when I enter into another state of consciousness, the other state of consciousness just doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Is that right? Interesting. You know, that idea? Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean... I do think that one of the things that the elites do is try to make us fear death. And that's one of oh, the totally. biggest powers <laughs> yeah. that they can have over us. Totally. Man, totally. Yeah. And if you don't, then then it, it, def, it makes you more powerful. You're no longer controllable. You're no longer corruptible. And, and you can stand on your foundation, whatever that may be. Yeah, I agree. And it appears that this was what you know, nuclear wars about and terrorism and wars and COVID and germs and everything, right? Just yeah, keep absolutely. us in fear. Just keep us in fear. And mm-hmm. um, and it brings a whole new um, meaning to this idea of trusting God, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you can take that deep into the depths of this now and it's, it's for me, it's the only thing that makes sense, you know. Sure. If we didn't trust God, whatever God is to everybody, Jesus or whatever, we'd be basket cases, right? And most people are. Yes. God love them. You know, yep. Most people are. Okay, let's do a commercial, okay? And then we're going to dig into Genesis one eleven and talk about the, the structure of this whatever plain thing it is with uh, Matt Long, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. We're going to give you all Matt's uh, information. Where to his... Uh, his podcasts and his uh, uh, book and everything else as we move along. 
Uh, thanks for coming here this morning. We're going to be talking with a fellow who uh, is a Google kind of whistleblower guy tomorrow morning. And um, yeah, he really came out as a whistleblower and blew the blew the whistle on as a whistleblower on some of these people that run that run Google. And it's pretty trippy all the stuff he came up with. And then Melissa Sell is going to be here tomorrow at noon. And Melissa's uh, very interesting. She is into German New Medicine, one of our favorite things. And this all ties into what we're talking about today and what I talk about quite a bit on OneRadioNetwork.com is that as soul, uh, we create these diseases by not trusting God. Serious. I mean, this is how it works. Uh, now, how can that be? Well, see, when we worry or we have angst, and we don't trust that everything's going to be okay and whatever. We're not trusting God, right, in that moment. So this is what this is why we get sick, in my opinion. It damages the tissues in the body, and um, the body then tries to heal. It creates pain. That's called disease. And the doctors give it a name, and they give you a drug, and, and uh, the end is near. So what well, well, we believe is that as spiritual beings we create diseases for one reason and one reason alone and that is to learn how to not create them. That's why we create them. So God says, okay, well what about that? Well, you know, don't do that anymore. Okay. So that that's our theory and we're going to talk about that with the German New Medicine lady Melissa Sell because they believe and Dr. Hammer showed uh, years ago he had his uh, son was in a tragic car crash. He was very, um, very close to him. Uh, Dr. Hammer, uh, um, surgeon, uh, MD, and he presented testicular cancer two months later. He knew there was a uh, connection. He spent his lifetime looking at brain scans and trauma and can prove, he proved that every trauma is divorce, bankruptcy, whatever causes a um, trauma in the brain and the brain the body is connected, the brain is the hardware, and when you can then release the trauma, give it to God, if you will, as we like to say, then the trauma goes away and the body heals. And that's how I believe the body heals. So that's tomorrow. So we have lots to do right here. Stay right there, OneRadioNetwork.com. For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm gonna be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral type infections. It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their 
certain gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the essential glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. Tastes great. It's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum too. We've known Daniel for, gosh, 15 years, been uh, promoting his products. One of our first guests years ago when we started this particular show. He's a good guy, lives up in the Maine, and he's a, he's a real guy, and uh, uh, very, very uh, concerned about ingredients and how they do things. Everything's in Myron Glass, excellent products. And one of the products that I like to take, and uh, if you'd like to have seven children, like uh, like Matt, uh, you might want to get some of this. Uh, this is on sale. <laughs> okay. Previously with Daniel Vitalis, talking about elk velvet antler from Sir Thrival. Elk antler or deer antler products are probably the most regenerative substance that we can find in nature, at least for mammals. A couple things that I think are really cool about it is mm -hmm. that it's got six types of collagen. Yes, yeah, so that's that. really that's really amazing. When you think about the antler of an elk or a deer, these are an organ that grow in just three months' time and then fall off, and the very next year they grow back. Mammals don't typically regenerate organs that fall off, but antlers from all of the cervid mammals are completely regenerated. In order for them to regenerate, they need to contain substances that cause regeneration, and that's like the 24 growth factors that we find in elk velvet antler. Regeneration, we like that word. Growth factors, we love that word. For boys and girls, that's you. Exclusively from Sir Thrival and exquisitely produced. Daniel Vitalis, OneRadioNetwork.com. We got a cool sale going on right now. That's what we say in Texas, right now. We also say, I thought I told you kids to stay in the truck. Well, I've always wanted to do that, but I don't have any children yet. Um, anyway, we have a, we have a sale right now, and it's uh, it's um, Restore Twenty is the promo code, and that'll get you twenty percent off on all Sir Thrival products. Restore Twenty Twenty. I'm sorry, Strong Twenty. I was close. Strong Twenty. Erase that. Strong Twenty. Elk Velvet Antler. These are farm-raised antler in New Zealand, and they don't hurt the, the elk. And just they just have them watch the nightly lose, and they they doze off, and they take they they take the well, you know, they don't hurt them. They don't put a tourniquet. They don't drug them. They don't do anything. But the elk velvet is very powerful. Isn't that amazing? That elks grow this incredible, huge, long um, rack, and then they drop off and they do it again. Tell me that little puppy's not got some growth factors in there. Hello. Uh, this stuff's good, really. And if you want to have seven kids like Matt, you two should get some and just take it every day and give it to your wife, too, and you'll be fine. From the Hill Country in Texas, <laughs> this is OneRadioNetwork.com. You know, the only person I know alive that has six children and working on seven. I just, I'm very proud of you. Well, oh, thanks. You know, I was watching that watching that commercial, and it definitely made me hungry. I usually eat a shake similar to that for lunch, and so I was 
was watching the guy make it and it and yeah the the elk antler stuff sounds amazing yeah 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 get yourself some there and the kids are gonna need too. some keep me looking young yeah that's right keep do you um do you all homeschool we do yes we have two of the children that are at our house full-time are uh, of schooling age and so we homeschool them and then plan to homeschool as as all the others get older yeah yeah okay so let's get into uh, the early genesis and the shape of the earth and spinning and, and all of that also known as flat earthers um first question is you're contending that the bible thing is only maybe six thousand years old or the earth started haven't we seen um i've seen i've seen um drawings of of this firmament right and the and the, the kind of dome idea matt from way back, Hindu, pre-Bible, Mayans, uh, Aztecs. Uh, uh, so what's that about? It, these people had to know there was something going on before Jesus. Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, bef- before Jesus, you know, B.C., Huh. is is not necessarily the the creation of the earth right it's hard to say it goes back before the bible because the bible the first line is in the beginning, in the beginning. <laughs> right? Right. So, <laughs> so yes all ancient cultures subscribe to this notion of a flat non-rotating earth with something above us huh. some kind of dome a firmament as the bible describes and you know to kind of take away some of the stigma flat earthers or someone like me who believes in biblical cosmology does not believe in the meme of the ever-expanding universe and the solar system with all the other planets revolving around the sun and then just the flat earth you know in the middle what we believe in is an earth system so a stationary earth with a dome over the top very similar to a snow globe Mm. where all the sun moon and stars are inside that dome inside the firmament as it describes in in genesis chapter one Mm -hmm. now i believe in I don't necessarily believe in planets, but I do believe in wandering stars. So I can get my telescope, I can look out, I can see the rings of Saturn, but I don't believe that is a place where we can go take a spaceship to and land on. You know, we can't travel to Mars and, and land on it. I believe all that is happening in Canada and they're making us think that it's it's another planet. So So let, let me interrupt I, if, for a second. Do you, sure. do you think the planets then Venus, Mars, we we obviously the moon is is a plasma kind of a light uh, a thing rather I, than a solid I, rock or we don't sure know for i think sure, do i think according i think according to the bible that okay. the the hosts of heaven are the stars that we see in the sky i think they're angels i think they're a class ah. of angel and their job is participating in the most sophisticated clock or calendar that that anyone's ever created and so hmm. i think I think that's their job. I think what it looks like on our side is a light in the sky. If you were to shine a, if you point a telescope at a star, you're just gonna see a light in the sky. If you're gonna point a telescope at Venus, you're gonna see a light that has phases similar to our moon. If you point a light, you know, point a telescope at Saturn, you're gonna see a light with a different shape. It's got rings around it. And then it's also got smaller little uh, dots around it, which people say are moons, but any high resolution information or images that are provided on those are all provided by government entities, NASA, whatever, right? Anything that 
that we can take a look at for ourselves is either a bright light or a blurry light in the sky. And so I sure like the idea about angels. Uh, Rudolf Steiner, I'm a big fan of his work, he talked about the planets being living beings and he worked with mm-hmm. the, you know, worked with the, the structure and the, the rhythms and the moon for planting and all kinds of yeah. stuff. Well, let me give you some examples from the Bible. In the Bible, yeah. in Revelation, it talks about a star falling from heaven and being given a key to the bottomless pit. Later in that same book, it talks about that angel getting a key to the bottomless pit. It, it's interchangeable. It also talks about um, seven stars in in the hand of Jesus in Revelation. It says those seven stars are the seven angels. It, it uses them interchangeably. So, wow. um, it is, it's, and I just think, you know the bible talks about the hosts of heaven you know the basically the the people in charge of the way the heavens work and, and i think if you read the book of enoch which is not in our american bible it is in the ethiopian bible and it is quoted from in our bible it's it's very clear that the stars are angels angels which would mean living beings or souls whatever you want to call them right some intelligent intelligent intelligently yeah. designed entities yeah so with all of your research and obviously a lot of these things are just beliefs we don't know anything for sure but that's okay um mm-hmm. do this on this immovable plane then we know that the north star stays in the same place right so then do you think then the stars and the planets are doing this around us in the in the sure. in the earth atmosphere did the bible yeah, talk about that I believe that, well, the Bible talks about God's throne being in the sides of the north. So I believe God sits above the North Star. Something that's also interesting, and that's the North Star that doesn't move, the immovable, the unchangeable God. That's where he sits. And something else interesting in Revelation 4 3, John has a vision of heaven and he talks about the emerald rainbow around the throne of God, which would be green, which the northern lights are green. And Mm. so I think that the northern lights literally emanate from the throne of God. From the, from the sky in the north. So, and it would make sense that the procession of heavenly hosts all rotate around the throne of God. It just works. It's an amazing uh, symmetry. And um, I, think, I think that the, the symbolism that you can apply to it is much better than this God who supposedly started everything billions of years ago with, with a big, big bang and then disappeared, <laughs> right? Who, no, you, you can't find him because the universe, the physical universe is so large that the heaven would have to start almost, you know, in an unreachable uh, area of the universe, you know? I, I think it speaks more of the characteristic of God to have the flat non-rotating earth especially because the bible refers to it as immovable and things like that so i i think these i think the heavenly hosts do do circles above our head and and create that clock does the bible um conjecture or say what is above this dome what uh than maybe an immovable force called god sure right sure so one of the one of the easier things to do is rather than go verse by verse which you can go do and i enjoy doing is to google hebrew cosmology Hmm. and if you do that it'll pull up which there's an image in my book it'll pull up an image of a flat surface with a dome over it with hell below 
and above the dome would be the waters above. So in Genesis, it talks about creating the firmament, which separated the waters below from the waters above. Oh. And I believe those waters above are heaven. That's that's where heaven's located, and that's where that's where God's domain is. You know, the Bible says that we have domain over the things of the earth, but it's not it's not for us to venture into that domain, which is why I think in Genesis 11, when it talks about the Tower of Babel, they actually were creating a tower whose top would reach into heaven. And that was their goal was to go in and basically attack, attack God in heaven. And if you read the book of Jasher, which is an extra biblical text, it actually talks about a war where they were literally shooting arrows into heaven and, <laughs> and angels sending them back down like it's it's pretty amazing i'm not saying it's truth but it's a fascinating book to yeah, read i mean somebody came up with this stuff so in, in general what is your belief or understanding of how uh the bible was written obviously there are human beings that what did they they just channeled god they just downloaded uh yeah i think Truth? I think, yeah, I think God channeled them. I think he used them Use to them. write it down. I I believe, so one of the things I speak on mo most regularly is the reliability of the scriptures, specifically the New Testament. I believe the New Testament is one of the most accurate and reliable collection of books in the history of the world, right? So I had a misconception that the Bible was one book, right? But it's actually, it's not one book, it's a library. It's a collection of 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years by 40 plus authors and when you look at the manuscript evidence the physical manuscript evidence available for for those books it far far exceeds the physical evidence for any other book written in the history of man wow. in fact the, the bible was actually the first book it was what it was the first book printing you know prior to that it was just a collection of scrolls and things like that but it was actually literally the first book and when you look at that, and I, I do many other talks on this, which you can find on my YouTube channel, but if you compare the Bible to the Iliad, which the Iliad is the second most circulated book in the history of the world, the Bible, it's the equivalent of, let's say the, uh, let's say the Dallas Cowboys uh, beating the New England Patriots 74 to two and doing it 320 straight times like that <laughs> that's how the numbers stack up for the bible against the second place book in the history of the world now me wanting the cowboys to to be successful is is obviously something that i've given up hope on at yeah, this point and maybe even renounce my my association with them but <laughs> the amazing thing about the bible is if if the cowboys were able to do that no matter what let's say we're talking to someone in philadelphia who's, who's an eagles fan no matter what their opinion of the Cowboys was, their coach, their players, they would, if that actually happened, they would have to agree that the Dallas Cowboys were the greatest team in the history of football. Well, that's what happened to me with the Bible. Like, I had preconceived notions based on other people's opinions, and a lot of people have those. And, but if the Bible does what I just described the Cowboys doing, okay? Um, if the Bible actually does that to the second place book in the history of the world, then you have to agree that the Bible, based on numbers, is actually the, the most accurate and reliable collection of books in the history of the world by a long shot. And that's what happened to me because I thought people were, I actually thought that 
the writers of the Bible were asking me to believe what they believe, which is not actually the case. They're actually asking me to believe what they saw because these are eyewitnesses. They're giving account. They're constantly using words like, this is what we saw and heard. We are eyewitnesses. And the amazing thing about Jesus and his resurrection is that there was there was one point where there were 500 people that claimed to have seen Jesus after he died. Hmm. And these things are not just recapped in the Gospels and in the books, which are now considered in our Bible. This is also an extra biblical text as well. There's actually more extra biblical references to Jesus Christ than Alexander the Great. So just some amazing things when it comes to the Bible. And it's one of the reasons why I give so much credence to the biblical account. And and so we we had this discussion i can't remember if it was off air or on air but at some point someone has to decide for themselves where their truth starts because we're living in a world where everything's under attack especially truth and and so it's this research that for me has given me my rock to stand on yes, and i believe i believe it's a physical literal reading of the bible because i'll give you an example and i give this example in my book i played a tennis match sophomore year of college we were playing i can remember we were playing university of colorado um we were playing um we we're playing indoors and uh, it came down to my match and we won and it was it was the highlight of my college career but if someone were to interview me today 20 years later, roughly, if someone were to interview me today, I wouldn't remember the name of my opponent. I wouldn't remember what time the match started. I wouldn't be able to remember the score. There are a lot of these things that I wouldn't be able to remember because so much time has passed. But you could go find an article written the day after the match that had all that information. Okay, you could go to the written account and get all that information. Or you could send someone out who wasn't alive at the time to do a scientific study on the court to see what happened, right? What's going to be the better piece of evidence? It's going to be the written account, especially since the written account through the through the usage and accompaniment of all these physical manuscript, all this physical manuscript evidence has been proven to be true. Why wouldn't we start there? Why wouldn't the world start with that account? And it's because obviously there's a war going on against truth. So yeah. that was that was a roundabout answer to your question, but yes. No, great story, uh, good story. Uh, Patrick Timponi with uh, Matt Long, and uh, he co-hosts the Flat Earth Podcast. Um, uh, he, and he has a book called The House That Jesus Built. So on, um, I, really, I really think you're onto something where the people that God chose to write the Bible actually saw this stuff. And they just didn't believe thoughts in their head, right? This is what spiritual masters do. They have the ability to give people, well, I, the way I look at it, they have the ability to take souls into places, and I call it soul travel, which like the, my teacher took me into the tunnel, Matt. They have the ability to do that because they're spiritual masters. They're, they're God-realized beings. And, so you're arguing that they saw stuff, they saw how the earth was built, they saw all this, and they wrote it down. They said. Mm -hmm. So they didn't forget it, because it's easy to forget. Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think, so, I, so when I wrote this book right here, the, a lot of it kind of wrote itself, because I feel like I kind of got into a mode of writing where, uh, 
one, I think I think God wanted me to write the book, and of course. That, that always helps. <laughs> that helps. And and I also think God uses people. I'm not saying this happened to me, but I'm talking more about the authors of the Bible. I think God uses people that walk closely with Him. And when you walk closely with God, you're you're in an obedient relationship where you may write things down that don't necessarily make sense to you, but you know God is asking you to write them down. And I can think about Daniel and his prophecies, yes, sir. Isaiah, Ezekiel, things like that. And and so, yes, I think it's possible that these people went into a state of mind and wrote exactly word what, for word what, what God was asking them to write. I heard an amazing story. There's a book called uh, The Happiest People on Earth, and it's a story of these Armenians that came over in the, I want to say, mid-1800s, mm-hmm. fled Armenia right before persecution. And the reason they did is because this child who didn't know how to read or write went and had a vision and wrote down pages in Russian, I think it was Russian, of these prophecies that were about to happen. A child who couldn't read or write wrote all this stuff down. He literally just copied down shapes that he saw. And it's one of the most amazing stories. So the happiest people on earth, check that out. But um, yeah, I think yeah. I think God does that. I think I think he's you know he's an amazing God, and he he can use any vessel that he wants. And so I can't stand the argument that these were men just writing that you know uh, the Bible's fallible because these were men. Um, you know, putting their I, old I opinions think it was and all that. A, yeah, yes, I, yes. Yeah, I've never got that either. You know, never, never got that. I mean, you can read it, which I have very little. So you, I have not. Um, sure, and 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 just to tail on the, the back end of that, you know, in Job, there's places where they're quoting God, talking about the foundations of the earth and things like that. So, you know, is God being misquoted? Is he saying it improperly? Why would he use allegory that doesn't reflect the nature of what this place actually is? Yes, sir. Is my question. Uh, Holly writes in, I'm enjoying the show. Would you ask your guest, uh, are there many... Um, instances where they use the term immovable earth in the bible and how i mean maybe already have answered this and how would they know that the information they got is correct i can think of at least four instances where the bible is talked about being immovable or stable mm-hmm. that's different the different word now there are other times where they talk about the earth trembling or shaking, but that's a different word talking more about like earthquakes and things like that. But um, it talks about the earth being established or fixed and um, where they would have gotten their information. I think they're writing about the, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit and that they're, they're, they're getting almost a direct download from God on, on the things they're supposed to write. They, they're writing these things down, not probably not even knowing that, 2,000 years later, we're going to be using it as scripture. They felt led to write something down as a letter to another church or, um, you know, you think about David writing down the Psalms. These are just things that he's basically worshiping God through the written word. And and we've taken these things, you know, later and said, wow, these are inspired texts. And um, there's been many people over the years that have been involved in selecting what these inspired texts were. So, um, is it the only truth out there? No, I think there's more truth outside of the Bible, but I can definitely guarantee that the stuff in the Bible is also truth and that you can get a full picture from it. Do, so, so do they really uh, get into in the, in the Bible of what this firmament is and 
and how yeah so it's it's one of those things where you've got to look at multiple um multiple places in the bible uh to figure out what is exactly you know you can't go to the chapter that talks about the firmament and gives you a breakdown right but you can you can see how the firmament separates the waters above from the waters below in genesis meaning there has to meaning it has to be something strong it talks about the firmament being strong because there are people that say the firmament is just this expanse of air well then why does it describe it as being strong why does it describe it as a molten looking glass um why does it um why does the etymology of the word have roots of someone beating out metal basically creating a metal shape so yes the bible does describe this as being a strong molten looking glass a sea of glass sometimes it's described as that god that god walks on Hmm. and so those are those are the notions that in my book i think it's chapter four i finally get into the actual um uh not necessarily the mechanics but the the workings of this place where you can see that when you take there's probably 200 there's over 200 verses in the bible that talk about this place that talk about the earth the earth system and there's only two ambiguous verses in that that make that someone could interpret into saying that we live on a spinning ball flying through space all the others refer to a fixed flat immovable earth with a firmament above with water above that the two verses are isaiah 40 22 where isaiah talks about the circle of the earth and people love to say see he says a circle that means we live on a globe we live on a ball well it's actually not true because a pizza is a circle it's also flat and that's what we (laughs) believe we live on is is more of a pizza Hmm. as opposed to a ball isaiah uses the hebrew word for ball in isaiah 22 18 but not when referring to the shape of the earth he could have used that same word in 40 22 but he did not there's also job 26 7 where job talks about the earth hanging on nothing and people like to say see it's floating in space well actually the earth doesn't hang on anything it rests on a on a on pillars and on a foundation just like it talks about later in job job 38 so the same book so you're either going to say that job is you know contradicting himself or it's actually a flat earth verse just like the rest of the verses but again uh, going verse by verse is a lot harder than just googling hebrew cosmology and and you'll have experts who are versed in ancient hebrew that tell you no this is what they believed in well on the cosmology idea matt long that there's a firmament waters above waters below um you know in our oceans um i mean it's got to be a god thing you can't build something like that. i mean you, you know you can't give humans you know what i mean you just can't do it you know? <laughs> i mean how do you do that how do you you know how do you build this thing in the middle of water or, right yeah so if you can picture hmm. if you know when you've been in a bathtub as a child and you've taken a bowl and turned it upside down and pressed it into the water you create this pressurized system inside and you've got water all on the outside which is i believe is a perfect um perfect analogy for for what this place is and when we had the flood in genesis 6 and it talks about the fountains of the deep being broken up Mm. and so not just water coming down from above but i believe the majority of the water came from below and all you have to do is take that bowl and let out 
some of the pressure and the water starts to rise. So if you take that bowl, put it underwater and open the windows of heaven, like it talks about, if you open those windows of heaven, what's going to happen is air pressure is going to be let out of that system, which is going to cause the water to rise from below the fountains of the deep. That's interesting. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. And something else that's really cool is there was a guy who took a submarine down to one of the deepest yeah, parts of the video. ocean. Yeah, I saw that video. Tell folks about yes. that. Yeah. Yes. So uh, this guy's dead now. I forget his name, but it was this was like on Discovery Channel or Animal Planet. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But he goes down to one to basically the bottom of the ocean. Yes, sir. And he sees underwater what looks like a beach with water lapping against the side. That's and crazy. he's like, what is happening? I'm underwater. I'm already underwater. How is this possible? And what he found out was that this was actually a denser portion of the ocean and when he tried to descend into it his submarine his little sub he was in bounced like it wouldn't descend into this thicker water which is i believe like those, those are the fountains of the deep and wow. um hmm. and so not only do i think there's waters above but i think there's also waters below our our earth and and the bible does refer to um uh, the creatures uh, in the air on the earth and below the earth so some fascinating you know interesting oh, words there some, some some ideas patrick timpone with one uh with matt long i'm really having fun talking to you thanks for being here uh, the Absolutely. flat earth podcast and we'll give you always all those other contact thing this is from constantine what is the moon and how does it glow i believe you said it's not a rock but i have i have Maybe I've been remembered long. He, sure. He probably just too sure. we talked about it. Yeah, go through that. Yeah, so the moon is fascinating to me. One, it's kind of creepy. Like it's out at night and it's it just has this aura about it, right? The, and the, the fact that, you know, governments have said that we've gone and landed there is is also very interesting because it um, it it shows that they're trying to create a narrative for the moon. Now, something that's extremely interesting about the moon is that it actually gives off cold light. Cold. This is measurable. This is testable. If you go out at night and stick a thermometer on a piece of ground that is getting direct moonlight and, and then shine one in the shade, you're going to get the opposite of what happens during the day. So during the day, when you go out, you're in the sun, it's hot, you go in the shade, it's cooler. At night, if you go out, you're in the moonlight, it's cold. If you go into the shade, it's going to be warmer. Yes. And to me, this shows that the moon is not reflecting the warm light of the sun, but actually giving off a cold light. I don't believe that the moon reflects the light of the sun. I think its phases are tied to where that sun is because I believe we live in an electromagnetic system and somehow the power that the sun is putting off drives the moon, but I do believe the moon is giving off its own light. In uh, Jesus even talks about uh, in the last days that the, the sun would be darkened and the moon would not give her light. So I believe Jesus even talks about how the moon is self-illuminating. And if something is self-illuminating, I also believe it can be self-eclipsing, that you don't, it doesn't require a body, uh, a solid body to come yeah. in front of it. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be eclipsed from behind, just like I think the sun can be eclipsed from behind. A whole nother, whole nother topic. Hmm. So, but I, I think the moon, if you can picture the earth, uh, having a dome over it, the pizza-shaped Earth having a dome over it. I think the moon is possibly inverted at the North Pole. I think the moon might be an inverted dome at the North Pole. Somehow the light from heaven that was created on day one shines through it and projects it 
onto the firmament. And, and again, I think the moon, it's part of our clock. It's part of our calendar. It's how we measure signs and seasons. And uh, the notion that we could go there and land on it, I think, is propagated to create this, again, this, this idea that we're in a solar system and, and things like that. And I think anyone, anyone who could spend 30 minutes on the Internet would figure out that we didn't actually go to the moon. I think it's a very easily provable deal. And, you know, I just I think that um, I'm not sure what the craters are. Some people say the craters are actually a reflection of the actual Earth surface, the land surfaces. That's pretty interesting. Pretty pretty fascinating stuff. I don't know that I'm fully sold on that. But it also, you know, if if we were trying to um, build a tower whose top would reach into heaven and the moon is up at heaven and I don't know, maybe people were trying to break through. Uh, and that's where some of the uh, the craters and stuff come from. So I, I have no idea. I've seen some compelling evidence that a lot of the craters on Earth are created from electromagnetic uh, or electric pulses of, you know, kind of like lightning and things like that. If you think of those, I forget what they're called, but those little bulbs where you've got the, the, electric, the electricity from the inside and all these different electric uh, beams are reaching out to the outside. I think, I think it could be similar to that. So maybe that's where the craters come from. But again, I don't think the moon is a physical object. I don't think we can go there and land on it. I think the moon that we see in the sky is some kind of projection from a combination of light that was created on day one and and shining through some kind of uh, inverted dome at the North Pole. Again, this is all speculation, uh, but I feel like uh, based on the research that I've done into the spinning ball model, it, it gives me the right to speculate since <laughs> I can't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember. I wrote. I I can remember. Recall the day. I think it was July twenty, uh, nineteen sixty nine, and I was just recently discharged from Armed Forces Radio in the Navy. And uh, we watched the whole moon thing on a black and white television with Walter Cronkite. And you know what, Matt Long? I knew at that moment this thing was a scam. I just knew it. Really? I didn't. I didn't say anything because everybody was so excited. But right. I knew it, man. I looked at those spacesuits and I just said, "No way, Jose." I was even thinking about, well, who just took the picture of the guy foot landing? I mean, who took that picture? And how yeah. did, how did they get that whole car down in the down? I mean. The, it was just so obvious that the thing was a, a joke. Let's say, let's say we actually do live on a spinning ball flying through space, which I don't think we do. If if that's the case, if in the '60s we went 250,000 miles to the moon and back, uh, it's a pretty phenomenal feat. Considering the furthest we can go now is 300 miles, is is the furthest that we can send man into space right now, and that's that's admitted from NASA. They said that they've destroyed the technology. Uh, that can't used to go take to the moon, to the moon anymore, and right. it's a painful process to build it back again. And that's a direct <laughs> quote from yeah. uh, a guy named uh, his last name's Pettit. He strikes me as a bit autistic, but um, that's that's uh, Don Pettit, I think, is his name. Yeah. Interesting. So, oh, I was uh, I've been under the impression, that, listening to other folks, that this firmament's only about seventy-five miles, like Santos Bonacci and others. You believe it's? I think it's considerably higher than that, at least at the North Pole. I think it's something that's very high mm. at the North Pole, which if your listeners know, we I believe the North Pole, let me just tell them this, I believe the North Pole is the center of our world. Yeah. So if you picture a pizza, uh, the center of that pizza is the North Pole and that there is no South Pole. 
but that Antarctica is the crust that goes around the pizza. And it's the, um, that's the edge of the shoreline that holds all the waters in. And then I believe the dome comes down on top of the crust, which is somewhere deep into Antarctica. So there's this huge rock that is like the uh, magnetic north, right? Do you know the name of that rock? It's pretty interesting. Do you know the name of it? Maru or no? No, the name of that rock is, they call it the Black Rock. And do you know that Black Rock Corporation is the biggest corporate globalist organization on this earth plane? Now you tell me that that is an accident. Yeah, I I think that's amazing. You know, (laughs) it explains why compasses only point north that's all and they the do further away you get the further away you get from the north pole the less useful a compass is because of something they call magnetic declination and i believe it's because you're getting further away from that source rock that, that oh has the further the, south you go the further, yeah the yeah. further south you go which on my model is the closer to the crust of, of the pizza and so it's interesting that this thing that we use, the compass for navigation, points to the north, the place where I think God sits. And so all compasses literally point to God, <laughs> this which way. is amazing. <laughs> this way, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you had asked a question. I didn't fully answer it. That's but right. It's when I started talking about the um, the model. I can't remember exactly what it was. The moon? Was it the moon? It was It was right after the moon. Um, um, yeah, I kind of lost oh, well. it too, brother. Well, it'll come back. Sure. So, uh, you've probably seen the, the great video of this scientist, uh, 1965, with the white hair at the beach, and he said he's been, he and people around the world have been working on the moon, researching the moon. Where he, he it was, described it as plasma. Plasma, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. And the, the reporter yeah. says, well, you know, the United States and Russia are thinking about going there, and he goes, oh, that'll never happen. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. Real matter of fact. And, Yes, he, and he's very confident in, in his oh, yeah. assertions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Long is with us, OneRadioNetwork.com. So, um, there's also a show somewhere, Admiral Byrd, you've probably seen that one, and he is on some new show, I think on NBC, for goodness sake, saying he went down to Antarctica, and he believed, he, he talked about the ice wall, and he talked about about three miles of ice surrounding Earth, and and he thinks there there could be there could be a million a billion miles of more stuff out there, couldn't there? I mean, we don't know how big this this place is, do we? Yeah, I personally don't think. I think Antarctica is the where the where heaven meets Earth, where the firmament comes oh, yeah. down and rests Antarctica. But I will say there's some highly interesting speculation that maybe that's not. Maybe that's the first ring of ice. Right. And once you get beyond that, there could be more continents, uh, possibly even more suns and moons. If you think about Venus, for example, having phases, a lot of these people think, well, Venus is a moon in one of those outer rings, which is, I think, highly fascinating to speculate on. Again, I'm not I'm not sure on that. Same thing with Mars. Mars also has phases, and so maybe that's from a ring beyond yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, based on his interview, he talks about all the natural resources and stuff in Antarctica, and just for some of your, your listeners, um, Antarctica is one of the only places in the entire world that you have so many countries involved in agreeing that a certain place is off limits. That's everything below the 60th parallel south is off limits. And 
And that, that's that's two to three hundred miles out from the shore yeah, of Antarctica the shore. That, that that they're calling off limits, and it's off limits to any kind of private exploration. Only government sanctioned sanctioned experiments and exploration is allowed there. Government, I mean, Richard Byrd was part of uh, Operation High Jump and Operation Deep Freeze, where I believe they went deep into the Antarctic and actually found the firmament. They actually found where the dome meets Earth. And what immediately happened after that is NASA was created. Um, the Treaty of Antarctica happened. Uh, and by the way, the, the first 12 nations that signed that treaty, all 12 now have space programs. Um, I think the, the number of people, number of countries on that treaty is up in the 60s at this point. And you're talking like all nations, like North Korea, Russia, uh, United States, yeah, China, like one of uh, one of the few things again that that everybody can seem to agree on that that antarctica should remain off limits and again i believe it's because that is the edge of the earth i'm not saying you can fall off I, i'm saying that's where you meet the dome that's where the dome comes down and something else that's highly interesting all this talk about disney is that disney studios filmed operation deep freeze Walt Disney is an honorary member of Operation Deep Freeze because he filmed it. And if you think about the Disney logo, it's a castle with a dome over the top of it. Hmm. And, and not only is there a dome over the top of it, but there's actually one tower whose top reaches into heaven, like Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Time. It's it's highly interesting. And if you, you, know, you study Walt Disney's signature, it's got a 666 in it. And... It is, um, it's fascinating because Walt Disney was buddies with Warner Von Braun, who was a Nazi who brought over an Operation Paper Clip at the end of World War II. Warner Von Braun, who traded, he was shooting rockets at the Allies with bombs on them, and he traded that for working at NASA. On his tombstone was one Bible verse, Psalm 19.1, and it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. So the guy who worked at NASA has a Bible verse on his tombstone that refers <laughs> to, to the, the firmament. firmament. Yes. <laughs> well, you can't make that stuff up, can you? You can't. It's, you can't. Yeah. And it, there's pictures of, uh, of pre-Apollo NASA employees in Antarctica looking for moon rocks. So if you can tell me how we can find a rock from somewhere we've never been before we went there, uh, I'd love to know how that's possible. And when the, when the astronauts coming back from Apollo 11 – when they donated moon rocks to a museum in Amsterdam, the the museum wanted to get them insured and the insurance company wouldn't insure them unless they were tested. And when they were tested, they ended up being petrified wood, which you can find a lot of petrified wood in Antarctica. So maybe they did find moon rocks in Antarctica because actual moon rocks don't exist. So just there's so many things tied up in this conspiracy that I feel uh, they don't necessarily prove that the whole thing's a lie, but I don't think any of them should exist if it wasn't a lie. Yeah. Uh, Matt Long is with us, Patrick Timpone, 888 663 email, onradio There is also some kind of connection, unless I dreamt this, Matt, that between the World Economic Forum, the UN, and all these globalist gobbledygooks, and going down to Antarctica and doing stuff and meeting and, and all of that. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of strange stuff. When you look at the UN flag, it is the map of, of the, the flat, flat Earth. Earth. Yeah, 
And so that's, that's a weird connection. You also have strange things like John Kerry on election day in 2016, when Trump was running against Hillary, John Kerry, I think he was secretary of state at the time, goes down to Antarctica and visits down there. You've got um, strange things like the, the head of the Russian Orthodox church going down there. And, and there's, there's stories about Antarctica, Nazi ties to Antarctica, things like that, independent of the flat earth theory. Uh, to me, there's, there's so much being hidden down there that even if you aren't a proponent of the flat earth theory, you still know that something weird Something's is going up. on in yeah. Antarctica. Yeah. And we've seen the videos and interviewing the National Guard in there, and you just can't go there, man. Plane, boat, or train, nobody. Unless you got a special handshake, you don't. You're not. Going. That's exactly right. Yeah, the, they take cruises down there. They're, you're only allowed to take 10% of the people off the boat at a time. I have a buddy who did some uh, contractor work down there. When you're going from place to place, you literally walk in a bubbled, you know, hmm. uh, hallway. You know that it's it's like an inflatable hallway that you walk between. There there are very few people, other than, in my opinion, people that are there to propagate the. The lie that it's at a continent and not a continental ice shelf other than those you know it's it's off limits yeah uh this is jeremy he wants to know does your guest know uh what the bible refers to what this firmament is made out of yeah okay i got it yeah yeah so it doesn't necessarily other than what i talked about earlier so it talks about a sea of glass it talks about a molten looking glass so if i were to take those two things i would say one it's definitely transparent mm -hmm. i would say that it's likely something similar to glass it talks about a sea of glass but as far as what it's actually made out of not sure i've heard some highly interesting stories where people talk about um, people taking core samples of it in Antarctica. Again, this is totally yeah. unsubstantiated that it is actually like if they, they were taking core samples out of the dome and that it was some type of ice, but it wasn't H2O ice. It was an ice that didn't necessarily melt into a liquid prior to uh, turning into a gas. And it talks about them handling this ice and that their gloves wouldn't get wet as it just ra hmm. gradually disappeared. And also so, that this ice would heal if you put a hole into it, which would make correct. sense if it's a God thing. You'd have to have a, some kind of material that's not going to melt. Correct. You, know? <laughs> or not, correct. Or you and, can't, can't go through it, right? I mean, Yes, exactly. And I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Like you can have a molten looking glass. You can have a sea of glass and, and this, this notion of ice 